It was a dark and stormy night, the kind that grips you with fright, cause the raging wind is howling like a beast, and the rain pounds without cease. In the darkness I stood alone, with nothing but my thoughts to roam, as lightning flashed across the sky, illuminating fears that I felt and I could not deny. In the middle of the storm's fierce might, I felt a stirring, an urge to take flight, escape the night, and leave behind what held me tight, and chase my dreams and win the fight. But the winds and rain clung hard to me, while I tried and tried to set myself free from the darkness, from the secrets, and from the unknown. Or could I make the storm my own? Was there a way to figure it out? Beyond a doubt, a way out. I looked about, but I couldn't see a way out. I couldn't break free. But then, a light came looking for me. It was that light that set me free from the storm that roared inside of me. He was that light, a shining light. That light who brought me hope and helped me to ignite a fire that would burn so bright and make all right my dark and stormy night. Storylines. Write good things. So I remember growing up as a kid, Sundays always had their traditions that went with it, and my dad was a pastor, so first of all, we always went to church on Sunday morning. But uh, we'd come home for church, and we have Sunday lunch, but then we would divide up the Sunday newspaper. And... Different people got different sections. My dad always got the news section because he wanted to check out what's going on in the world. My brother always got the sports section because he was the craziest sports fan in our house. And I always got the best section. And you know what that was, right? Yes, the comics. And I would grab the comics and disappear off somewhere in the room to read the comics. And where I grew up, the paper always let off the very first comic every Sunday morning was this one. Peanuts. And maybe that's something that you can remember. And this is really when we talk about this dark and stormy night. Maybe this is what comes to mind when you hear that phrase. You see Snoopy struggling to write his novel. And Snoopy struggled for different reasons. One of the reasons was not everybody believed in him. And Linus showed his skepticism at some time. And then there was Lucy who showed up one day to, to offer this a piece of advice. It was the darkest stormy night. Well, that's a terrible way to bring us uh, to start a story. It's so trite. Well, once upon a time, that's a good way the story should begin. So start your story that way. I love Snoopy's response, right? Once upon a time, it was a dark and stormy night. He goes on here, and other times he struggled with his uh, novel there that he was writing. I don't know if you can see that or not, but. He starts out, it was a dark and stormy night. Suddenly a shot rang out, a door slammed, the maid screamed. Suddenly a pirate ship appeared on the horizon. While millions of people were starving, the king lived in luxury. Meanwhile, on a small farm in Kansas, a small boy was growing up. Part two, in part two I tie all of these together. And uh, we actually see on the next screen here where he's trying with part two and uh, Eventually gets down to that bottom corner and says, I've written myself into a corner. And I don't think Snoopy ever finished his novel. 
And maybe as we read through those panels there, it's a good thing that he didn't because it wasn't making a whole lot of sense. But what was it about Snoopy that made him want to write a novel? I think there was something in him, this fictional character, is that he wanted to be more than just a dog, right? He wanted, he wanted to have some significance. He wanted his existence to be validated in some way. And I have a dog at home, and, and I think I can understand that because my dog has very little awareness of anything other than her existence. She did not get up this morning with any big plans that I'm aware of. Now, if you would like to play with her, she would be great with that. If you want to throw the toy, she'll be happy to chase it. She won't bring it back, but she'll be happy to chase it. And, uh, but that's life. You know, throw some food in her dish. Make sure that she has some water. Um, you know, stop by and pet her a few times during the course of the day. But we're not like that. We're not like a dog. In fact, we get up in this morning and we want to have some purpose for life. Something, a plan for the day. Something that we're going to get done. We want to be able to validate our experience in some way. But one of the great challenges, I think, in, for us as humans, though, is how do we do that? And we talk about the word, and it gets thrown out quite a bit, about purpose. One of the ways that we validate our experience is we find our purpose, and we try to live out that purpose, or we try to get aligned with that purpose. But we can struggle with that, and when we struggle with that, that's what brings some of the, the darkness to us, when we talk about the dark and stormy night that takes place inside of us. And so we've been talking about that through the past several weeks. Things like doubt and fear and disappointment. Loneliness, languishing, that was a term that we brought in. Bitterness. And my guess is that as we've talked about some of these topics, some of them are like, oh yeah, that really resonates with me. And others are like, well, that's not really that big a deal to me. And it may be true this week too as we talk about this issue. But let me just tell you to start with, it's an issue that I struggle with a lot. And so as I share with you this morning, I'm trying to share some of the struggle that I've gone through with this. But before I mention it, I just want to take a few minutes this morning as we wrap up this series and address something. You probably noticed that I talk quite a bit about emotions in church and services and sermons which maybe seems a little bit ironic because I probably don't come across as a real emotional person, which I actually am. I'm just not a super expressive person. So it's not like, it's, not like I, it's always easy to read what's going on inside me. But let me just assure you, there's a lot that's going on inside of me. But the emotions that I feel inside of me are something that I wrestle with. And part of the reason I wrestle with it is because of my upbringing in the church that I attended. In the church, in the family that, that where I grew up, emotions were actually what I would call discounted. Like they were there, but they were something that you're supposed to control, that you're supposed to manage. Actually, there was something that you're supposed to suppress because emotions were dangerous. And if you didn't keep your emotions under control, your emotions could take over and they could take you to really bad places. Instead, we were supposed to not pay attention to our emotions. We were supposed to really pay attention to thinking biblically. And that was the term that would be thrown out there. And the idea was you need to con control your thoughts. And as you control your thoughts, that will get your emotions in line. And there's certainly some value and validity to that. In fact, there's a whole line of, of um, 
counseling called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is think the right things and you will feel the right way. So there's some truth to that. But we were just then about thinking. We were never about feeling. And that was all that, that we were supposed to experience. But I didn't realize that feelings were actually tools that could be used for good. In fact, that feelings were part of my being that God created that was supposed to be good and, and were intended for my benefit. But because I never got to experience this, when I faced trauma in my situation, I didn't really know how to deal with it. Because we face trauma, and, and part of it is it hits us emotionally, and I would just be like, oh, i got to suppress that somehow. Not realizing that I actually needed to experience it and feel into it, if I can say that, so that I could work through those situations. And I finally got to the place where I dealt with a situation that was traumatic enough to me that I couldn't deal with it. And I didn't have the tools, and I couldn't make these emotions go away, and I ended up in depression is what the, the main thing that I was dealing with. But I learned in that moment that, you know what, this isn't a good way to live life. And I don't think this is what God intended. In fact, emotions are part of the journey. And if I'm going to be spiritually healthy, I'm going to have to pay attention to these things because I'm going to have to be emotionally healthy as well. And I came to understand that faith is not just something that's limited to what we would call the soul. Or my background, faith is not just limited to something that's the head. It also involves the heart. It involves the whole person, body, soul, mind, spirit, emotions. They're all intertwined. In fact, what did Jesus say? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart. Well, that would be your emotions. With your mind, that's pretty obvious. Your strength, that would be your body and your soul. But we can't be spiritually healthy. I don't believe. I don't think we can be spiritually healthy unless we're emotionally healthy. And so we have to stop and unpack these emotions sometimes and say, what's going on here? Because this is a part of us that God wants to heal, but it's a part of us where God wants to work and do some good things into us in these emotions. We can embrace them and explore them and celebrate them. And true, they can get off track. There's no doubt about that. But they're a gift that God's created us with that need to be used properly and not just, like, hijacked by the enemy. And so I say that because we, we've been talking about these emotions. And a lot of times we talk about emotions as indicators. But this morning I want to look at them a little bit differently. Because these emotions don't just tell us what's going on inside us. These emotions actually lead us in some good directions. So the emotion this week, our dark and stormy night, that I want to talk about is the emotion of, or the feeling of, restlessness. Feeling restless. I think it's a pretty common human experience. And technically, it means this. To be without rest. That was deep, wasn't it? That's what restlessness is, is to be without rest. But it's that feeling that we get where we are antsy and fidgety, sometimes even agitated, or you say, I feel all unsettled inside. Something's not quite right. There's some underlying discontentment I'm dealing with. I'm hoping for something to happen, or I'm bored, or boy, I really need to get out of the house and do something, or I'm distracted, or I'm uneasy. And we have phrases that we use to describe this. 
after, you know, the 18th month of our winter that we experienced here in, in Michigan, we describe it as cabin fever. Like, I got to get out of this house because I'm so, like, keyed up and wired up. If, if you're a kid right now in school, you know, you've got, like, two, three weeks left. We call it spring fever, right? Like, oh, please get me out of this classroom. Uh, for those who just graduated, we called it senioritis. That, you know, the last, you know, four months of high school is like, oh, but we feel that inside of us where there's this restlessness. And I think it's somewhat, I would say, of an alignment issue. We're experiencing this feeling and we're experiencing this reality and they don't quite match up. And so we're like, how do I kind of move out of my reality into this experience? How do I help? And it can go in a lot of different directions. Sometimes it's because our interests don't parallel the subject matter that, you know, maybe we're listening to in class. Or sometimes it's at work and our skills don't really match up with the, with the job assignment that we have. Or sometimes our viewpoints aren't really congruent with the tribe that we travel with and the people that we run with. Or sometimes our hopes don't fit with the opportunities that we've been given. Or sometimes it's when our experiences don't line up with our dreams, but it's always this thing. It's what is, whatever it is, is, it doesn't line up with how we think it should be. Now, this is an issue I mentioned before that I struggle with a lot. And there are times when I feel so much of this restlessness. In fact, I can get it sometimes where I'm like, I just feel like I could just like climb out of my skin. I don't know how else to describe it because I can get that feeling so much. And part of it is my makeup. I'm like really physically fidgety. Like when I was growing up, nobody wanted to sit in the same pew with me at church because I just bounced it the whole time. I can remember when we first got married, my wife would keep reaching over and patting my leg. And I'd be like, oh, I can't do that. And like three seconds later, bouncing all over. I'm just built that way. I'm like that physically. I'm like that mentally. I'm, I'm very distracted. I crave variety. The routine, I'm not a big fan of the routine. I'm always looking to, to change things up. And I'm just kind of like that. The one thing that really helps, though, is I'm a little bit of a fear-based creature, too. And so I'm, like, overcautious. And so that limits me because I might just be off doing crazy things because I'm so, like, fidgety, except for the fact that I don't want to make a mess. And so those things kind of balance themselves. But I struggle with this idea of restlessness. It's interesting, if you go back into the early pages of Scripture, we already see this problem show up. If you go back to Genesis chapter 4, verse number 12, Cain is being cursed because he's just murdered his brother Abel. And this is part of the curse. Listen to this, Genesis 4, 12. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And so Cain experienced the same problem I have. Hopefully for, I mean, I, I have it for a different reason. I didn't kill my brother. Just wanted to be clear about that. But that's just, I think, part of what's in us, even as Cain was part of that first family that lived outside the garden. It's like something's not quite right here. This is interesting to me. If you go in the book of Deuteronomy, God is warning the Israelites against idolatry in Deuteronomy 28. And listen to this passage. Fascinating here. The Lord will scatter, then the Lord, if you go into idolatry, the Lord will scatter you among the nations from one end of the earth to the other. There you will worship the other gods, gods of wood and stone, which you have neither, you nor your ancestors have known. Among those nations, listen to this, this is your, this is what will happen. Among those nations, you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. 
There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing, and a despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread both night and day, never sure of your life. Does that sound like restlessness? But it's presented as a negative, and, and we all live under this curse because we all live outside the garden. But I think when we feel this tension inside of us, it's like, oh, i got to get out of this somehow. And, I've, I've, and, and what do we do? Well, our natural response is when we feel this is, let's go do something. i got to get busy. i gotta, I got to find something because I have to go through it this morning. But I want to present restlessness in a different way. That maybe not as a curse, that it could be an invitation. That maybe not as a negative of an emotion that we need to repress somehow or suppress. That it could actually be something that God wants to use in our lives. And I was challenged by this by a, a book, and I didn't get the book. I just read some excerpts of an author by the name of Casey Tigrid. He wrote a book called The Gift of Restlessness. The Gift of Restlessness. And let me just read a paragraph from that book. No one asks for restless moments. No one wants to feel irritated, unsettled, or stuck. When pressed into restless seasons in our relationships, work, or faith, we feel the hum. You can't go back, but you can't stay here. But what if restlessness is normal, healthy, even holy? What if spiritual questions are not problems to be solved, but invitations of the soul? And what if spiritual maturity inspires restlessness rather than inoculating us against it. In other words, what if we looked at restlessness in a different way, and what if we saw it as an invitation? And I think that fits with something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. So please turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. These may be familiar verses to you, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. They're only recorded in the book of Matthew, and we don't have a whole lot of context about these verses. We don't know exactly when they were spoken. We think maybe when the disciples had come back from one of their missionary journeys. But it doesn't really fit with what comes before or what comes after. It's just kind of the standalone section. But there's really powerful content here. So Matthew 11, verse number 28 says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. And there's the invitation. Come to me. And we see the reason. Why? Because you're weary and you're burdened by what? By life, by its demands, by its challenges, its business, its tension that we live in. And we also see the reward. You will find rest. In other words, you will not be without rest or restless. Nor will you be wandering. Take my yoke on you. You'll be in relationship and connection with me and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he says, what? First of all, come to me. Then he says, take my yoke upon you. And there we get this idea of alignment. Because the yoke was the, the, the piece of wood that went across the soldiers' shoulders of oxen that were plowing in teams or in pairs. And it kept them in sync with each other. And so Jesus is saying like this, okay, get aligned with me here and learn from me, for I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. In other words, learn from me because I am at peace within myself, and you can experience that same rest as well. 
And so we see three invitations from this verse, and let me mention them this morning. Three invitations, and then how you can respond, your, your RSVP, to these invitations. The first invitation is this, the invitation to relationship. We see Jesus say what? Come to me. Learn from me. This is the relationship. And I read this in a book this week, and I failed to write down who, what book, and so I don't know who the author was. But this is great. We are built for God. We each have a hole in us that only God can fill. When God fills the emptiness within us, our souls are at rest. But when we try to fill that emptiness within us with someone or something else, we feel restless. Our souls might feel disquiet or uneasiness. We might feel like something is off. The restlessness we feel is often God speaking to us. It's God's wake-up call, letting us know that there's something that we need to pay attention to. Perhaps we took a misstep or made a poor choice. Maybe we knocked God out of the center of our lives and are trying to replace God with other things. Perhaps our prayer lives have been neglected. But the relationship has lost its priority. And when we feel restlessness in life, this is God's invitation. Jesus saying, come to me. Hey, you've wandered off. You've gotten distracted with other things. There are other things that have occupied your mind or occupied your heart. And we are disconnected. Come to me. And it could be something that's very deliberate in your life. Maybe a deliberate sin where you're just like, nope, I'm going to do this, God. Well, you know what happens? That breaks that relationship or that breaks that connection or that synchronization, and you're going to feel restless. Sometimes it's not as blatant as that. Sometimes it's just more a case of you just kind of wander off and kind of do your own thing. And it's not like you're really trying to do anything wrong. It's just that God's not really a big priority in your life. He's not getting any time. He's not getting any function, uh, uh, focus. And you lose your enthusiasm, and you're just kind of like, you know, you're kind of coexisting. Every once in a while, Kelly and I have this question that we ask each other. We'll say, how are we doing? We're married. We live in the same house. We've been doing the same thing for 30 years. And we'll still look at each other sometimes and say, how are we? Because we sense that there's this disconnection between us. That's the same thing here. Is maybe God's looking at you this morning and saying, hey, how are we? Or maybe you need to look at your relationship with God this morning and say, how are we? And so it could be something that's very, very subtle. It could just be a matter of pursuing the wrong things in life. There are good things that are part of our lives that we can pursue. But when we do that, we end up moving God to second place. Come to me is the invitation. I think the book of Ecclesiastes is a fascinating book. But I would actually call that book the account of one guy's wrestling with restlessness. But you see this idea that he got distracted with all these other things. And God calls us, Jesus calls us back and says, hey, here's my invitation. Come to me. We can't ultimately resolve issues of restlessness without addressing the spiritual because we are spiritual beings. St. Augustine in his famous confessions writes this, and you've heard this before. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And when we're dealing with restlessness in our lives, the first thing, the invitation is Jesus saying, come to me. If you're a Christ follower, maybe it's come back to me. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it's come to me. 
I can give you something in your life. I can fill up that empty place in your soul. I can satisfy that restlessness. He says, come to me, and then he says, learn from me. And what do we learn? We learn from the example of somebody whose soul was at rest. And we can copy him as well. And so how do we respond to this invitation? Well, I think the first way is just to do some soul searching. What's going on inside your heart right now? Is there sin that you need to deal with? Are there things that are out of alignment? What place does God have in your life? Is he getting time? Is he getting focus? Is he getting attention? And then secondly, to respond to this invitation is give more time and attention to your personal spiritual walk. There is no way to build a relationship without time. You can't do it. You know, they have this thing out there now, uh, um, speed dating, which is great, but you can only do it like, you know, just long enough to meet the person. Then you're going to have to spend some time together. But one of the, the, the answers to this situation where we feel restless is to actually take time. You're like, ah, I got to go do something, and that doesn't feel comfortable, so we don't take time to do that because it often pushes us into a slower pace where we struggle. We talked about a year, a little over a year ago, about the ancient paths, about some of the, the, the practices of what's now known as contemplative Christianity. This is something that's being really promoted in the, uh, the, the realm of Christian counselors, by the way. But it's the idea of going back to some of these practices like slowing and solitude and retreat and the examine or, or the, uh, the um, rule of life into actually slowing down instead of just go, 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 and actually letting Christ be formed in us. And so that's the response is to take some time somehow. Now, in the book, of, or not the book, the month of June, our monthly challenge will be to, to emphasize one of these different spiritual practices each week. So it's been memory this week, but June, just to give you a, a highlight of what's coming, but to, to say, hey, Take this time to build the relationship. The second invitation we find in these verses is the invitation to rest. Jesus says what? I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Twice he mentions this. Does he mean physical rest? He may in that first one. We don't know. In the second one, he talks about rest for your souls. But the point is here that the answer to restlessness is actually rest. Our response to restlessness is usually, I, I'm feeling so restless, i got to go do something. And Jesus says, Look, maybe what you need to do, you feel restless, is because you haven't had enough rest in your life. And while restlessness tends to key us up, God's like, no, 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 let's take a different approach here. So how do we find rest? Well, Jesus says what? Learn from me. Jesus rested. I'm always fascinated by the story where they're in the boat, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to grab a quick nap. Of course, you know, the storm comes up, and that gets interrupted. But Jesus needed rest, too. He went hard, but not all the time. Here's what's crazy. Jesus, we have like three years of ministry re recorded from his life, which would be, what, about 1,000 days plus? And we think in the Gospels we have maybe 50 to 60 days of events. That leaves like 950 where we've got nothing. Because Jesus, I don't think, was going the entire time. 
In fact, Jesus, I think, was very mindful of those rhythms that God put in place, like the rhythm of the Sabbath or the rhythms of rest. And so Jesus paced himself, and maybe we need to be reminded of the fact that when we are feeling so antsy, that maybe we need to take some rest because it's about alignment. It's about living how God made us, and God made us with limitations. And when our RPMs are running way too high, maybe we need to reduce the RPMs. And Jesus offers rest. Rest physically, but also rest for your soul, peace, calm. So how do we respond to this invitation, the RSVP? First of all, address your physical needs. Maybe you seriously just need to take a nap. Maybe you just seriously need to get some rest and some sleep. Maybe you need to work harder at good nutrition or or exercise, those types of things. You need to physically take care of yourself. Secondly, you might need to engage in what I'm calling noticing activities. These are activities where I'm not trying to accomplish something, which is our great American mindset. These are activities that I can engage in where I actually experience this world around me. These are words that I would use to describe this, like curiosity. Like, what could you go off and explore, find out about? It's an entirely different mindset. Um, Slowing down, wonder, just wandering. Sometimes it's worship. Sometimes it's just gratitude. What are the things in your life that you can appreciate that you are experiencing right now? But responding in rest is to instead of, I have to go do, if you need to be busy, at least go off there and experience the goodness that God has placed in our world. And then there's a final invitation here. It's the invitation to get ready. He says what here? And he says it twice. Take my yoke on you. Or a second time, he says, my yoke is easy. This is not talking about a passive rest then. So yeah, we may, just, we may need to step back, but the idea is not just to, you know, to shut it down. The idea is to step back and say, okay, God, what are you doing in my life right now? And we get going so hard and so fast sometimes that we couldn't hear God if we wanted to, because there's too much hum from the tires on the road. And this is where we say, okay, I may be sensing this restlessness because God is up to something in my life. There may be a new yoke that's going to be put on me here, a new task, a new responsibility, a new opportunity, and God is just getting me ready. And so I'm feeling this way because God's like stirring something up inside of you. And maybe he's got a new season of life. Maybe he's got a new opportunity he wants you to step into. Maybe there's something you'd be considering, should I do this or should I not? And maybe it's God leading you in that situation. I don't know. But maybe God is getting you ready for the next season. And maybe that's why you feel a little bit keyed up or a little bit amped up. I'm not sure. And it may be that God is pushing you in. Maybe the inactivity of life right now is driving you a little bit crazy. Because God's pushing you into rest so you can be ready for the next season. I don't know. It's just something to think about. But how would we respond to that? What's the RSVP? Let me give you a couple ideas here. First of all, surrender yourself. Are you okay with what God is doing in your life right now? Are you okay if he controls the agenda? 
Are you okay with what he wants to do next? Are you living your life according to what God wants or what you want? What God has planned or what maybe you're hoping for? But you need to surrender yourself, first of all. Secondly, you need to listen to God's prompting. What is it that God's trying to say to you right now? And sometimes we just need to push ourselves into rest and to slow down so that we can actually hear God speak. We see in the Bible that God doesn't speak generally with a big voice. Now, sometimes he does, but sometimes he just whispers. But we need to stop and say, okay, God, I sense this restlessness in my soul right now. What is it that you're trying to tell me? What is it that you're trying to show me? And maybe it's even just looking around at the different things that you've been experiencing and say, oh, is that, is that a point you're trying to make here? You know, may, maybe it's something that you hear about that, that, that speaks to your heart. And you're like, oh, do I need to respond to that? I don't know. But we need to take that time to listen to God's prompting and to ask him, what is it that you are saying to me right now? Thirdly, I think it would be a good idea to have some spiritual conversations. Who can you talk to? And if you're f- sensing that God's prompting or doing something inside your spirit, maybe you just need to sit down with a friend or a mentor or a parent. It could be anybody that, that, that you really trust spiritually. Say, this is what I'm feeling right now. What do you think? And start to have this conversation and, and to start to work it out. And then fourthly, maybe you just need to take a next step. And maybe you're saying, I think God wants me to do this, or maybe he wants me to try this in ministry or or or, or there's things sometimes that we can say, well, what, what can I do? Can I make a phone call? Can I reach out to somebody and ask them about this? And there are usually just small things that we could do that would be saying, okay, God, I'm not exactly sure where you're taking me in life, but, but I think this might be it. So I'm going to at least take this step and see if you open a door or see if you make a way in the pathway here. But you can try some next steps. So this morning, the question is, are you feeling a little restless? Maybe not now, but I'm guessing that you have felt this way in your soul at some point. The question then is, how will you respond? Because the invitation is coming from Jesus, first of all, to a relationship. Where are you in that relationship with Jesus Christ? Secondly, the invitation to get some rest. Maybe that's physically, maybe that's spiritually, but, but to, to step back for a moment. And then thirdly, to get ready for whatever he has next. Restlessness may feel like a dark and stormy night, and it really, really can. But at the same time, you can find peace and calm and rest in the middle of that storm. And that's my prayer for you this morning. Let's pray together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me just ask, are you struggling with restlessness in your life? Jesus is giving you an invitation, first of all, to himself. What's your relationship with him like? If you're restless, can you honestly say that he has been getting first place and getting time in your life? priority in your life? 
maybe you need to settle those issues. And maybe you need to make that commitment where you sit this morning. Maybe you're dealing with restlessness because you have not followed the rhythms of life as you should, not taken care of yourself or gotten proper rest. Maybe that's God's invitation to you this morning. How will you respond? Or maybe that restlessness is God saying, hey, I've really got something big coming for you. And he's stirring something up inside you. Maybe you need to say, okay, God, I'm surrendering to that this morning. Or I'm going to have some conversations about that or really seek your God's will about that. I don't know. How will you respond to those invitations? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christ follower. His invitation is to come to him. We celebrate a communion. That's about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that sin could be defeated, so that you could find forgiveness, and so that your restlessness could be taken care of. He wants to bring peace to your life if you'll just invite him into your story. You can do that where you sit. Simple conversation between him and you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. Give me peace. Give me hope. Jesus, thank you for your invitation to us to find rest. Please help us as we go from here to find and to pursue our rest in you so that we can find what you want for us when we sense this restlessness in our souls. And so we commit ourselves to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> it's afternoon, actually. So I think we might have donuts out there. It's been a long time since we've had donuts. But we have to have some sugar to go on our way. But uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. And we'll be starting a new series called Poets' Corner. You realize that like maybe a third of the Bible is actually written in poetry? It's kind of crazy. We'll be talking about some of the great poets of the Bible and getting that started next week as we start into our summer season. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.